As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of colour? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. As always, we are the coolest guys around because we will bring to you all the wrestling which may have fallen under your radar. Today we're going to bring you two different promotions, not just one, but two this week. First, we're going to take another look back at WXW, this time Road to 16 Karat Gold, London. We're going to be talking about that whole show, great show. Speaking of great shows, we're going to bring to you something specifically recommended by a friend of the show, Colt icon as one of the best shows that he has seen this year so far and that is from february 10th from triple a conquista total jira and i hope i'm saying that right but it doesn't matter because we're going to keep going anyway we're going to bring it all to you it's going to be great and i do of course say we because i could not would not should not do this by myself i'm joined by a lovely wonderful man he's my friend and he should be yours he's called jeff jeff salem Hello, everybody out there in podcast and internet land. Jeff here, Ms. Fan there, as you heard, some WXW and AAA, AAA on the slate this week. No uh, National Pro Wrestling Day. Hopefully, uh, Chikari gets that uploaded soon, because uh, I would really like to uh, watch that show, you know, kicking off Chikari's uh, season. You know, that's always fun. But uh, until that happens, this week we've got some excellent WXW stuff as they get ever closer to uh, – March and 16 karat tournament and some uh some very interesting and fun action from uh uh triple a so yeah good stuff on the show this week we're the global revolution Ms. fan let's begin all right yeah let's talk right away about some wxw one of our absolute favorite promotions to cover um this is another uh, road to show which uh, as we've mentioned before has kind of replaced shotgun as being the show that um has kind of all the backstage segments, all the build segments up to uh, kind of the next major show. Um, but they often have uh, some very good stuff also in and of themselves. So for both of those reasons, we're covering it here. We are in London, England, which means we're probably going to see a couple of UK talents. But first, we're going to go backstage. We're going to see a clip of just after the end of um, Back to the Roots. The last major show, we see Lucky Kid and the rest of Rise right after winning the War Games match, the the Kaffenschlag, what is, I probably said that wrong, but um, but the big cage match, and they uh, now are the only version of Rise, they've done away with the uh, false version of Rise, but Lucky, Lucky Kid, feels he still has a score to settle with someone, and he says it's something he has to do by himself, Be Bouncer and Ivan Kiev say they can... He can count on them if he needs them, but they're, they're going to let him go off and do his thing. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hear more about this for sure, but uh, I am uh, down with Lucky Kid. B. 
being the featured player, and I think uh, that that was always going to be obvious. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, this is uh, some more just good uh, rise building stuff. I always kind of like uh, WXW's. I don't know. For me, the thing about WXW's like backstage vignette is they do a lot of good just like character and almost world building of establishing everybody's mm-hmm. motivations at any given point. Um, establishing the relationships between everybody, and this was a good, good little uh, example of that. You know, Lucky Kid is so happy that his team won. They're done with Rise. They're the fake Rise. Now he's really happy, but he said he was only 99% happy about this victory because that that 1%, he just something did not satisfy him. We're going to figure out what that is a little bit later in this uh, WXW Road 2 show, but he was just there was something he had to do. There was something he needed closure on. He said he had to do it on his own. And Pete Bouncer and Ivan Kiev, they understood. They said, all right, we'll be here if you need us, but you do what you got to do. And it was just you know, smart. It was really well done. Uh, really love Rise's group and really love Lucky Kid. I am very hopeful that this year he gets uh, – Specifically the Shotgun Championship, but I wouldn't complain if he somehow, someway managed to wrangle himself the WXW Unified World Championship, but he deserves something. He's just been a lights-out performer um, for about a year and a half, almost two years now since we've started watching uh, WXW or so, and he has just been tremendous pretty much every time. So he deserves some sort of recognition for that. Hopefully it'll happen this year. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, I uh, I think definitely could be a top title win for him uh, somewhere down the line. We, we almost saw it at the end of last year, but uh, probably a sign of things to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also, still backstage, also see the bad version of Rise, the former version of Rise. Uh, they are in despair after losing that very same match. Tarkin Aslan, the, the instigator, the ringleader, the manipulator of all this, uh, tries to spin it. He says, oh, sometimes you lose, but, you know, you can just turn things around. And he pitches to Damak and to Marius Alani that they all stay together and become stronger than ever. Marius Alani dismisses this. He says it's been a mistake. It's all over. And uh, he makes fun of Rise and the, the finger salute, and he's just clearly done with all of it. He says he's going to pursue his own goals while he's saying this, Demac just walks off without even commenting. Tarkin Aslan is left all by himself, which is what he deserves because he's a bad mm-hmm. person. Indeed. I, I personally love this one just because you can just tell how desperate Tarkin Aslan is to try to turn this into a positive situation. Demac does not care the whole way through. He's like sitting there drinking water. He's not paying attention to anything he's saying. He has no care whatsoever. Marius Alani tells him to essentially go shove it. Um, he's, he's, this whole thing has been a mistake. Nobody does the extended finger points. Nobody does that. That's for little kids who pick their nose, not for grown men, not the body of WXW. I don't do that stuff. I'm out of here. Both guys leave. And oh, just so, it's so sad. Tarkin Aslan just has to sit there all by himself, having ruined everything for himself, all because of how selfish and self-motivated he is. Ah, it's so good. It's so good. That's that's the other thing I really love about WXW is that they have so many, like, really good cathartic, you know, emotional moments that, you know, that make you actually feel what they want you to feel. I don't – I've very rarely, if ever, walked away from WXW match, WXW storyline, a WXW promo feeling – 
um, essentially the opposite way that WXW wants me to feel. If they want me to feel, you know, kind of happy that this guy won, I'm really happy about it. If I'm supposed to be sad or if I'm supposed to be angry or if I'm supposed to be, you know, emotionally invested in one way or another, I'd say nine times out of ten, WXW hits the mark, and they really did with the stuff with Rise, especially with this segment here and uh, Tarkin Oslan. So, sorry, buddy. Better luck next time. Uh, well, maybe, hopefully not, but yeah. Uh, yep, indeed, indeed. Um, I really like, uh, as you say, the character elements are so strong. Uh, Tarkin Oslan trying to kind of put himself over as the smartest guy in the room, but really uh, everyone has now seen through him and uh, is moving past him. He's just left by himself. It's a great touch. It's a, it's a huge, um, emotionally satisfying ending, like an actual ending to a story, which you don't always see in wrestling. Uh, it's very decisive. It's very clear cut. And um, I thought it was really well executed. So I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. all about it. 100% agreed. Absolutely. Uh we continue with one last segment from uh, after Back to the Roots. We see uh, Absolute Andy, Marius Alani showing up again, and Nick Hine, uh, the guest referee who re- revealed himself to be in cahoots with Andy. They're all backstage together being interviewed. Absolute Andy said they pulled off a Hollywood-level spectacle extravaganza together. He compares it to Terminator 2 or to Titanic. Uh, the, the way they fooled everyone is apparently on the cinematic level of all of that. I just want to uh, quickly say, I love that those were the two things that he went with for <laughs> Hollywood blockbusters to compare to. Terminator 2 and Titanic. Not anything that's happened in the last 10, 15 years. <laughs> Terminator 2 and Titanic. I love Andy. Yeah, he's so good. Uh, he's great, for sure. Uh, absolutely. He reveals that Kind was in his corner all along, even back to uh, the Lucky Kid match. He makes fun of WXW for falling for it. Um, he claims that Marius was in his corner as well, but Marius says, no, no, I didn't do it for you. I did it for me, and I demand a title shot against you over 16 karat gold weekend. Uh, he says he knows all of Andy's tricks, and uh, he's going to take his shot. Everybody leaves Andy alone, and he's very offended that even the interviewer left the scene before he did. And uh, i got to say, absolute Andy, I... Uh, he's probably my favorite promo in the business right now. Like just everything he does verbally is working so well for me. It's, it's great. It's, he's just, he's so clever. He knows like what he's trying to sell you as far as his gimmick goes. Once again, just referencing Terminator two and Titanic specifically, (laughs) like understanding his whole, you know, veteran age gimmick is just so well. And he tries to act like, um, just have it both ways. Like, I'm the veteran, but also he's like, oh, I'm like, I'm 27, you know, and he's like 37 or something. So, yeah, it's it all works so together good. really well. <laughs> so, yeah, this was all – I enjoy Andy on the microphone. I really like the setup between uh, uh, Andy and Alani. Uh, Nick Hine was also there. He kept doing <laughs> the eject thing, like, oh, and he's out of here. He's out of here. And that was – um, it, it, it fit fine. with Andy's stuff at least. So yeah, it was fine. I didn't have a problem mm-hmm. with it. I like um, one of my my. I can't remember if I complained about this or not, but I didn't. I didn't know how to feel about Mario Salani helping out Absolute Andy, and I like that this uh, puts that in a better context because you know, mm-hmm. guess what? Mario Salani still hates Absolute Andy, and he probably always will from their enormous tag team blow up of last mm-hmm. year. Um, well, so so I, yeah, he's really just out to get Andy again. 
but just on his own terms, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. He's very clearly, he tried to set up Andy, essentially, you know, oh yeah, you'll retain the title and maybe you'll do something nice for me or something along those lines. And when Andy tried to bring him into the group, like, yeah, he's my partner now. I was like, no, 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 no. I did this so you could retain the title so I could then beat you for it at some point. Hopefully 16 karat gold weekend. I just love the continuity between their actual issues. I love that it just doesn't disappear even when they team and work together. It's so, it's really good. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Good stuff indeed. All right, we finally move into our matches. Um, what we have tonight is a, a pair of mini tournaments for spots in the 16 karat gold big tournament that's going to be happening uh, in a month or two over in WXW. We got that. Uh, we have eight people competing for two spots, and uh, everyone else is going to be left out in the cold, it looks like. So, our first match from that tournament is uh, Mark Davis of uh, Aussie Open taking on Oliver Carter, who I think we have probably only seen about once before mm-hmm. uh, in WXW. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know about you. I quite like this match. I, I'm really feeling Oliver Carter, and I hope we get to see a lot more of him in the coming few years because uh, I think he's got a lot of potential. Um I think uh, he's potentially pretty charismatic. I thought he looked very good in this match. Um, Mark Davis is a guy that I like reasonably. I'm not a huge fan of Aussie Open. I, I don't really get like, oh, he does really hard high fives. I don't know. That seems a little weird to me. But uh, uh, he does get the win here, which I expected. Um, personally, I think I was uh, digging Oliver Carter more. But I know Mark Davis is more of a name. So I can't uh, really be surprised here. See, I, I kind of like Dunkzilla Davis. I, I like him uh, not necessarily a lot, like he's not my upper echelon guy, but he's I enjoy him reasonably. i kind of into the hard high-five thing. I don't know, that's just kind of a goofy <laughs> shtick that works for me. Uh, but specifically, this match I thought was really good. Um, both guys I thought worked really well. Oliver Carter has, I think, like you, a lot of potential. He's, he's shown himself to be... Uh, pretty game in this match against uh, Dunkzilla, and Dunkzilla ultimately pulls out the victory here, which I think was the uh, uh, ultimate right call. I like Dunkzilla, so yeah, this was all uh, in my favor. I will say, though, I'm, I kind of like Osiop. I guess we'll get into this more when we talk about uh, Kyle Fletcher and his half of the tournament, but... I'm not a Kyle Fletcher guy. We'll talk about that in a bit, but I'm not a Kyle <laughs> oh, Fletcher Oh, boy. Dude. Yes, we will. I think we'll be on the same page with this. Oh, yeah, boy. certainly by comparison, Mark Davis, I think, uh, looks amazing compared to Kyle mm-hmm. Fletcher. So. Indeed. Um, we go backstage again before the next match. Like I said, these shows have a lot of uh, these little short backstage segments, which I, I really enjoy. That's a positive to me, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy these little character bits. Uh, we joined Francis Caspin and Jay Skillet, a.k.a. JFK, backstage. Um, Jay Skillet complains that uh, WXW screwed them over and kept putting them in big multi-man matches where everyone was beating them up and wearing them out, and that's the only reason that they didn't uh, end 2018 on top. But uh, in 2019, it's starting good. They got a win over Walter, uh, actually pinning Vite Mueller back at uh, back to the roots. They, they want to get the tag titles back. They want to get into 16 Carat. They're both in the tournament tonight. Things are going to be looking up for JFK. And uh, I'll say again, I really enjoy JFK. They're one of my favorite tag teams going, so this is all good with me. Indeed. I, I love Francis Cashman. I love Jay, Jay Skillet. 
Um, whether they're in the ring, whether they just cut these backstage vignettes, they're always so just so enjoyable. I really like sort of the, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of like, you know, tag teams lose the belts and then maybe they like argue a little bit. I like that both of them were very much on the same page of they just kept throwing teams at us and wore us out until we lost the titles. And you know what? That's BS. We don't like that. It sucks. So we're going to come into 2019. We've got a one win. We're going to get some more and get our titles back. Really like the focus here. Really like both guys uh, just sort of coming together and, you know, kind of agreeing, yeah, we're just going to continue working hard and doing our thing and getting the titles back. So good little uh, vignette, good little segment here uh, to lead into basically the entire rest of the tournament, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But before we get there, we have another scene. It is Walter and Veit Mueller, as mentioned, took a pin against JFK in a uh, tag match. Uh, Walter just just lets him have it. He says, oh, I had everything in line in that tag match, but you screwed it up. I, I praised you too soon, praised you prematurely. You made me look like an idiot losing this match. Uh, Veit tries to stand up for himself, says he's worked so hard to get ring comps respect. Thatcher respected him. Even Axel Dieter Jr. came back and said he respected him. It's only Walter, and he wonders if it's maybe just he doesn't like him personally. This this really pisses Walter off, uh, and they end up saying that they should settle it in a match that is going to be in the hometown in uh, Veit's hometown of Hamburg. Walter ends this promo with an awesome line. He says, "Well, then you better tell your mother and father to stay home, presumably because he's going to maul Veit Mueller so badly mm -hmm. that it would traumatize his family." And that's just that's an amazing thing to say. Indeed, that was so good. I also enjoyed him, you know, bringing up the fact, like, I was just on the world stage, mm. like, mm. a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was, and then I come back to WXW, I'm in a lower card match against two of the biggest buffoons in WXW and JFK, and I lost to them. You know how that makes me look? I am so, I trusted you to finish the job, I literally had it set up for you, and you let me lose in a low card match Days after I was on the like biggest stage in the world, I love actually playing um, the WX the WXW WWE connection in that sort of way. That feels really organic. That works really well. Um, yeah, I, I just dug this entire setup, and I am very much looking forward to this uh, dead end match between Vite Mueller and and Walter. I like Vite. I love Walter, so this should be a good one when we get to it. Indeed, any Walter match is going to be good, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's a good little, good little reason for it to happen. I love when they uh, give you a reason for as many matches as they can on these uh, bigger shows. We move back to the tournament. Now we've got Francis Caspin of JFK taking on Ivan Kiev of Rise. Um, I guess I love, I love Francis Caspin. I think he is like one of the most. Uh, uh, he reminds me uh, the way I feel about Kevin Condren, just like his look is just so magnetic and like charismatic, and there's just something about him that draws you to him. I, I don't know. I think he's going to be big in time. Um, I, I really like Ivan Kiev as well in the ring. I think he's a good wrestler, but I love Francis Caspin. I thought they had a pretty great little match together here. Uh, in the end, Caspin picks up the win with a little distraction from Jay Skillet, and then JFK beats up Ivan Kiev after the match. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it. Mm -hmm. This was a good little match. I would have been happy either way, either Kiev or 
Caspin picking up the victory and moving on. But Caspin wins. Uh, Jay Skillet, as you said, does a little bit of interference, some cheeky uh, distraction to help uh, Caspin pick up the victory. And I like that they haven't forgotten. You know, they're, they're focused on those tag titles. So even in a tournament where you know, you know, you're focusing on getting into 16 karat gold to potentially, you know, win that and go on to face the WXW Unified World Champion, whoever that may be. The fact that they were still, you know, they specifically seemed to do this, you know, not only just to pick up the victory to make sure they both get into, you know, their respective finals, but also to, you know, kind of stick it to the guy who just beat them for the titles afterwards. They kind of like take the belt for themselves before like throwing it back onto Kiev. I like that little bit of storytelling there. It was a good match. Good victory for Francis Caspin. And yeah, just a whole bunch of good stuff tightly wrapped in this little package here. Indeed. We go backstage again. We see Melanie Gray, who is in despair after losing that uh, Loser Leaves Town match in Oberhausen. Uh, Killer Kelly comes in to check on her, a little continuation of, uh, of that little moment they had after uh, the match itself. Melanie Gray is just, just in absolute despair. She says that this was her life. She wonders if she could go back and do it all again. Maybe she would behave differently. She regrets some of her choices. She regrets some of the way she's acted. While she's having this emotional moment, Tony Storm shows up and starts making fun of her. And Melanie Gray ends up just having to leave, upset and distraught. And then Tony gets in Killer Kelly's face about why she's showing any interest in Melanie Gray now. And um, I don't know. I'm biased because I like Melanie Gray. But, man, I thought Tony Storm looked like a terrible person here. You know, you... You got, you got everything. You got what you wanted. Maybe you could just uh, calm down a little bit, Tony Storm, and not be a jerk. So that that's my feeling. Indeed, they followed up with a uh, essentially a, a, a continuation of the segment where they eventually uh, Kelly and Tony Storm talked, and Kelly was like, you know, she she just lost. This was her entire, you know. Her life. This wasn't just her career. This is what she lived for. Mm-hmm. I just think you're being a bit too, you know, harsh and mean spirited about this. Maybe it wasn't the right thing to put her in a literal loser leaves town match, which Tony Storm was greatly offended by and said, you know, what has she done to us for the past like several years in our career where we have to put up with her and deal with her and all the things she's done to us and you're gonna take her side on this? You know, how how could you? What are you thinking? Um I, I like that there's – right now, at least, there's a lot of sh- kind of shades of gray sort of involved. You do have uh, Melanie Gray, who was so awful and so mean-spirited a lot of the time, but she was genuinely devastated by this loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Killer Kelly, who's always come across as a very you know, nice and well-meaning person, you know, is very much like, you know, that really sucks. You know, I have empathy for that, even though you've been, you know, not so nice to me. Um, I love the fact that Tony Storm, you know, very confident in herself, but essentially walks in without giving any sort of second thought to anybody else's emotions, you know, got all in Melanie Gray's face and made fun of her even more. There's there's a lot going on here. I think what we're going to ultimately see is a bit too much attitude from Tony Storm that eventually turns her uh, heel, maybe some sort of, you know, Killer Kelly kind of fights to get Melanie Gray back into the company or back mm. out of that uh, loser leaves town stipulation. 
Uh, I don't know, but I, I think there's a lot of good directions this could go in right now, and I'm really intrigued to see where it does go. Hopefully in the uh, positive direction for Killer Kelly, because if she's dealing with Tony Storm, uh, I'm going to pick Kelly every time. <laughs> I'm feeling it. You know, when someone whose name is literally Killer is like, man, you're being too mean. Maybe you should pay attention, Tony Storm. Yeah, just maybe. Maybe just a little bit. I'm just saying. Uh, she's very uh, self-righteous about all this stuff. That's All right, that's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we move back to the tournament. We get kind of the other half now. Um, uh, the first match is Julian Pace, who runs the race, taking on Shigehiro Irie, who I guess is going to be in WXW a lot for a while. I don't know, for a while anyway. For, just a long for term. For a few months, yeah. So, mm-hmm. all right. I thought he might kind of just come and go, but uh, he's sticking around for a while. Um, I've said before, I'm a total mark for Julian Pace's, like, 1995 new generation WWF, like, cheesy, like, I'm a runner gimmick. I'm all about it. I love it. It should be in Chicago or something. Um Irie, uh, I don't know, I'm still a little mixed on him. I feel like he's kind of got all the pieces to be a guy that I like a lot, but I, I don't know, maybe it's just because him beating Bobby Guns like ten times rubbed me the wrong way, maybe it's because his finisher looks kind of dangerous. I don't know. Um, he doesn't totally do it for me, but he's still very good. I thought they had a pretty good match here. Um, uh, Julie Pace also got a shocking amount of offense, I thought. I... Uh, I the way they were pushing Irie with those Bobby Guns wins, I, I thought this would last, like, two minutes tops. But uh, they, they went back and forth, and, you know, they had a pretty good match. So I, I'm not mad about it. I was just surprised. Um, he, he almost gets the win, even with a really cool, really convincing small package variation. Uh, but it is Irie's Beast Bomber clothesline that gets the victory uh, pretty predictably. But still, they got a good match out of it. Indeed. I, I kind of loved the fact that um, there were several times in this match where Julian Pace would do the, like, running around gimmick where we constantly, like, crisscross back and forth and he'd grab the guy and, like, swing him around to try to, like, disorient him and, you know, outspeed him. And specifically, I, I kind of dig that because, you know, A, the guy is still in, like, WXW's Wrestling Academy and him kind of sticking to the well like that kind of showed you a bit of the sort of more amateurish side of him. You know, he's got to, he's still got to pick up a few more tools in the trade if he really wants to sort of elevate to the next level. Um, you know, that, you know, a little bit of storytelling potentially, you know, really worked for me. Um, it also worked just because, like, it was working for him sometimes. Like, even if that's the one tool in his arsenal, he was managing to get over on Erie at least a few times with it. Unfortunately, he tried one too many times, went to the well just once too often, and got his head basically taken off for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, this was good, but uh, I do have to say, I think I, I I like Irie, but he feels like he is missing exactly one piece from being like a complete like lovable wrestler for me, and I don't know what that is. Like he's big and physical. He's you know he's got I think he's got a good look. He's um, he's fairly magnetic. I just something about like his complete package right now feels like it is lacking something in order to kind of take him to that sort of next like really into level for me. I don't know what it is. I don't know if his matches maybe aren't super great. Maybe it's the fact that he beat Bobby Guns twice when I've been really high on Bobby Guns, you know, recently. I I don't know what it is, but kind of like you, there's just there's 
for me, there's just something, something. Can't put my finger on it, but it just it kind of holds me back a little bit from loving Irie. So I just kind of like him. Not love him, not like super into him, but he's all right. But just something's missing. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Well, maybe we'll articulate it as we keep saying him. Um, but, uh, okay, yeah, so the next match is uh, Jay Skillet versus Kyle Fletcher, and here's... Oh, uh, this match made me mad. I just want to say, this match made me mad. <laughs> Not as mad as the next uh, Fletcher match made me, <laughs> but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so, yeah, Jay Skillet versus Kyle Fletcher. And I'll just say, I, I didn't like Kyle Fletcher already when I started this. I've seen him several times. I don't like his look. Um, I don't like, really, the way he wrestles. I don't... I don't know. Just He doesn't really do anything for me. Um, I thought Jay Skillet worked very hard to do a lot of character stuff and to really kind of like hype this up as much as possible. But yeah, I, I didn't really get this because like, and it was worse later, but you know, just in the moment, these spots were like Jay Skillet is trying to like run into him and Kyle Fletcher is acting like he's a brick wall, but he's like this tall, lanky guy who's not he's, very thick. He's not oh, very muscular. I, he doesn't look heavy at all. And yet, he's I don't know, they're heavy, working this spot, which makes no sense to me. Heavyweight Kyle Fletcher is apparently a thing that was going on in this match, and it sucked. It, it really sucked. Bad. The dude yeah, is like, he's like a string bean, but he's also kind of like, he's kind of got the Punch Tominaga soft physique, where he's not really like... <laughs> Please not, do not compare. No, listen, no, Punch stop. Tominaga is like a hundred times the wrestler Kyle Fletcher oh. is. I love Punch Tominaga, you know this. <laughs> I, but... Uh, he doesn't have, oftentimes, he doesn't have the world's greatest physique, but that's fine for him because he's not pretending to be a heavyweight. He's right, not pretending yeah. that, like, I don't know, if you physically looked at Jay Skillet and Kyle Fletcher, Jay, uh, Fletcher's kind of tall, he's kind of lanky, but he's also got, like, a slight bit of pudge to him in a way that doesn't make him look, he's not, like, shredded, and he's not, like, big, he's just kind of a dude. And then you look at Jay Skillet, who's, like, small, compact, he's shredded. This Super guy should have yeah. he should have no issues just running a hole through Kyle Fletcher. Like, none whatsoever. And they were trying to make him out like, you know, oh, Kyle Fletcher took this shoulder block. Oh, look at how big he is. He's the heavyweight Kyle Fletcher. And it was just the worst. This was <laughs> genuinely bad. And bless Jay Skillet's heart. This is why I like a... Uh, I see a lot of potential in Francis Kasman. I think he's going to necessarily be the um, bigger star of the two, but Jay Skillet really does have my heart in terms of how hard he works with a lot of the character stuff sure. that he does. He takes, uh, he, he just takes a beating like every time, and he just looks so good doing it. And this match, it was just really unfortunate. He was trying so hard to make this work. It just wasn't. I'm sorry, Jay. I love you. It just... The heavyweight Kyle Fletcher thing just just threw this match for a loop it could not recover from, and uh, it was just unenjoyable. Unenjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, it wasn't working for me. I said um, in my notes, the only arrow I want to hear about uh, are the ones from Hungary. I don't need I don't need this Aussie arrow, whatever he's supposed to be. I don't know. The arrows of Hungary or Pox Black Arrow. Yeah, okay, fair. All right. Or really any other kind of arrow. I have nothing nothing against arrows. Just just not Kyle Fletcher arrow. I don't know. Like and the guy is so I mean, I like him reasonably. Like I don't love him. I mean he's not even Who, Kyle Fletcher? Oh stop. 
No, after this night, stop being nice. After this night, no more. I, I, he was all right. He was, he's obviously always been the lesser half of uh, Aussie Open. And if I remember correctly, he was like the weak link because it was like him, Millie McKenzie, and Omari who went to Chikara for King of Trios, right? It was that trio and then yeah, like I, weirdly, yes. was, I, I didn't put that together until later that it was him but yeah for some reason he was there yeah i don't know really he was good. fine there i guess like i didn't really think anything of him because yeah he was clearly like the third the third guy by like a margin in that match and i don't know now he's like the most famous unfairly um so, we're, we're gonna jump ahead right now because i can't no i'm sorry later in the night first question just just, <laughs> just one quick question what the fuck happened to Omari? Why aren't we seeing him? I, I know, I know. Omari uh, and Millie are both great, and I Millie's around. I don't know where Omari is. He's stuck in like the bowels of British indie scene still. So yeah, somebody break Omari out of there because because he's real good. But no, okay, we're talking about later in the night. It's Kyle Fletcher versus Shigeru Irie, and you want to talk about matches that suck? This is probably my least favorite match of the whole damn year so far because. This whole time, they're like, man, Chigeru Irie, he's basically like if a cannonball became a person. Like if a wrecking crew, a wrecking ball was anthropomorphized and taught how to wrestle, it would just be Chigeru Irie. And they're still doing this stupid, uh, oh, you can't knock over Kyle Fletcher thing. And I'm like, Kyle Fletcher is like six foot four and a hundred pounds. Like he should be broken in half when Irie touches him. And I'm like, what is going, do you even, like, it, it, it offended, like, everything I know about wrestling, <laughs> just to watch this, to watch Fletcher just stand there with this stupid, smug look on his face, and have Irie, like, barreling into him, and he's just like, oh, that didn't hurt, that didn't hurt, you know? And everybody like, chanting heavyweight idiot. at Kyle Fletcher. Kyle, oh, I'm so, like, I don't even love Irie, but... I was hurt for him. Uh, I'm pretty sure he like got knocked down by a shoulder tackle by Kyle Fletcher in this match. It's just like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It's not how things work here. Chigahiro Irie is like, as you said, a cannonball became a human being, taught how to wrestle, and just runs through people. If I thought Jay Skillet should have been running through Kyle Fletcher with no issues whatsoever the way he looks... You better believe Shigehiro Irie should have, like, tore him in half. Just, like, one beast bomber, and that was it. That should have been... Yeah, and it's not like... Oh, I just... I don't... It's not so, even like, that I personally, like, hate Kyle Fletcher. Just the presentation is so bad in this tournament, because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't sell him to me in a way that's like, oh, that's really convincing. Because once again, they were trying to make a big, strong Kyle Fletcher against Jay Skillet, who already looked better than him. And then they turned around and continued it against Shigehiro Irie, who it really didn't compare to. I just, why? There's like, I guarantee there's at least... 10, 15, 20 better ways to do this match, and they chose, like, the absolute worst way to do it. Thankfully, I guess, Shigehiro Irie wins to advance to uh, 16 karat gold, because if I had to watch uh, Kyle Fletcher do something like that to, I don't know, Walter, I'd have just started ripping things apart in my house. Oh God, yeah. So, <sighs> I, 
I can't blame the presentation. I just see nothing in Fletcher. This is not the first time I've disliked him. It's probably the most I've disliked him. I felt like I was watching... I don't even like to say this because, you know, wrestling is very difficult. I usually... I respect anybody who wrestles because it's hard to do. But, man, I felt like I was watching a person who didn't understand wrestling. So, I don't know. Like, uh, it just... It didn't work for me. That's all I really am trying to say, I guess. And it, it didn't work for me on, like, a catastrophic level. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yep. That's really too, too worked up about this. So I'm going to just, just move on. Um, dialing it back. Um, we do have a backstage segment. It is David Starr and Ilya Dragunov. David Starr preparing for his match with Absolute Andy, his match for the WXW Championship. Ilya says in his mind, David Starr is already the champion. He says Andy makes all the wrong decisions in life, but Starr, he has succeeded all around the world. He fires him up to win the title. Starr promises he will indeed win that title, so hype it up for that title match later tonight. And I got to say, I enjoy these two together. I think they're they're a pretty good pairing. I, I like them. Indeed, and I, uh, I particularly like that. doesn't matter what language he is speaking in, uh, Ilya Dragunov is intense 110% of the time. <laughs> yes. It was so, it was so good. And I like, I felt Ant, I was like, oh yeah, David Starr's going to do it tonight. He's going to kill that man. Because if he doesn't do it, Ilya's going to do it. He's going to just storm into that ring and rip Andy's head off. So <laughs> he kind of has to do this. Yeah, let's go David Starr. Oh man, I was, I was feeling this. I was pumped. I was pumped for David Starr. Ilya Dragunov pumped me up for this match. So that's got to be successful on some level. So yeah, these two, uh, I don't know. They just have just some sort of chemistry together that makes them just really, really. I don't know. It's it's just a good pairing, and uh, this promo, this segment was a uh, good example of that. So heck yeah. yeah. They share a lot of heart and a desire to beat Walter, but one can and one can't. So uh, <laughs> I sure hope they bring that back. They haven't mentioned that in a while, but I feel like it's still out there in the ether, and uh, that's okay. It doesn't have to come up every every day, but. Uh, but I want, I want some more of that because there, there's a rich story to be had there. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we have the next match, which is a five-way match. And just listen to the people who are in this match. It is Bobby Guns against Ilya Dragunov against Lucky Kid against Timothy Thatcher against Chris Brooks. And that that's a hell of a collection of talent to have in one match. Can uh, I just say, mm-hmm. I adored this match by the time it was all done this uh i don't necessarily know where it's going to rank once the end of the year gets here but right now this might be one of my favorite matches so far of the year just just an enjoyable watch from beginning to end everybody played off of each other so well in this match i just i had a a trip from beginning to end love this one Hmm. you know i i did like this match i i didn't like it as much as you did i thought it was kind of less than the sum of its parts a little bit because um, it's a bunch of awesome guys and they're all kind of like like doing their greatest hits but it felt I don't know just a little disconnected a little a little lacking in the rhyme or reason at times it was uh, almost too many good ingredients and they all maybe overpowered each other a little bit to me I wish something had been on the line in this match I think maybe that would have helped me invest in it a little bit more but. Uh, uh, it was a little odd, you know, a five-way match. It was a little odd in and of itself, and uh, I don't know. It was a really good match. I would definitely recommend people watch it. I just don't think I'll be talking about it as, like, match of the year contender or anything. See, I don't know. For me, it's just 
to me, there were just a lot of moving parts in this match that worked really well. You had uh, the Calamari Thatch Kings thing between uh, Chris Brooks and Timothy Thatcher. You also have uh, the Schadenfreude thing between um, Chris Brooks and Lucky Kid. Mm-hmm. So Lucky was kind of all about Chris Brooks trying to be his friend in this match. And for whatever reason, Brooks was like, uh, no, thank you. But then you also had the issue between uh, Timothy Thatcher and Lucky Kid, who in WXW, uh, they've wrestled at least twice now. And Timothy Thatcher keeps getting them over on Lucky Kid. And Lucky really seems you know, motivated to try to beat him to kind of prove that he can finally do this. So they're really heated. But Brooks is taking Thatcher's side. And then you throw in there um, Bobby Guns and Ilya Dragunov, two of the best workers in WXW, who are kind of picking up their own... Uh, kind of half issue with one another. They did have that uh, that great match that everybody keeps talking about, chanting for like 15 minutes straight between the two of them. Um, I personally love that. Even in London, uh, Bobby Guns is super over. I really just like Illy Dragunov's been you know going around the world. He's been doing stuff in a whole bunch of places. You know he's going to be over. But Bobby Guns, as far as I'm aware, is you know mostly been doing WXW, but he could still show up to London and still get those chants kind of nonstop throughout this match. I really just appreciated that. So the two of them have their own, you know, sort of history with one another. They're also picking up the bits and pieces in this match. Um, and yeah, I just thought and for me personally, everything clicked really well together. There were some fun uh, spots in this match. There was the one where everybody looked like they were going to dive to the outside at various points. They'd constantly get cut off. Uh, there was the fun uh, submission spot. Whereas, like, Timothy Thatcher's got Lucky Kid in a hold. Um, I think Bobby Guns comes in and applies something to uh, Timothy Thatcher. Then Chris Brooks comes in. Ilya comes in, and he's like, I don't know if I can get in on this. And he just kind of looks at his hand, and he's like, oh, I know what I can do. And Chris Brooks is like, please, God, no. I know what you're going to do. Please don't do it. He proceeds to then chop everyone in the chest at least (laughs) once, and them all crashing down. I don't know. I had a, just a really, really incredibly fun time with this match. I uh, I loved all the the pieces involved. I loved all the ingredients. For me, they all came together and meshed super well in what was a uh, fun match. Uh, the reason it was a five way, I don't know if you heard this on commentary, but uh, Kid Lycos was supposed to be in this match, make it a uh, six man tag mm. match. Uh, unfortunately, Lycos got injured again, and hopefully, um, he recovers uh, quickly. That guy has some of the worst luck. I have seen out yeah, of a uh, guy. No, I, so, I missed that somehow. Yes, it was. I think it was supposed to be him, Brooks, and Thatcher versus uh, Guns, Dragonoff, and Lucky Kid. And unfortunately, Lycos got hurt. So best of uh, luck to him. Best of his recovery uh, for Kid Lycos. But yeah, that's kind of one piece got missing, and then they turned it into a five way. And I thought they did tremendous here. This I, I just like I said, adored this match. A lot of fun for me. Uh, yeah, very good match, yeah. I, I see what you're getting at. Um, so, yeah, watch it yourself, decide for yourself. Uh, it's a very good match any way you look at it. Um, and in it, the end, Bobby Guns wins. So, you yes. know what? That's also really good. Yep, very true. He even submits Timothy Thatcher, and uh, it's a good vote of confidence for him. Like I said, I wasn't crazy about him losing a bunch of matches to uh, Shigeru Irie, but uh, here picking up a very big victory. Uh, submission over Timothy Thatcher. Yeah, that is nothing to, to scoff at. Absolutely. So, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we go backstage again. We see Avalanche uh, confronting the referee that counted uh, he and Yern Simmons out in their match at Back to the Roots. 
He warns him, don't do it again, because the next match is going to be no count out. So, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably the weakest of the backstage segments. I don't know. This storyline is just not... It always seems to bump in the road for me, because, like, Avalanche is mad that the referee did his job, and then he reveals kind of like a underwhelming stipulation for their next match. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, I'm sure when they actually have a real match, it'll be perfectly good, but this is kind of the least of the WXW feuds right now to me. Yeah, yeah, I think the biggest issue is that they keep kind of building to something else. Right. Like, you know, like like once they eventually get that payoff match, I'm sure, you know, Avalanche and Urine Simmons are going to deliver something really awesome. Unfortunately, we've kind of sort of meandered until we got there, and, you know, a bunch of false finishes, a bunch of false hope, like, oh, they're going to have a really good match, and then, no, wait, no, 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 we got to do uh, this kind of finish. Oh, they're going to have a really good match. Oh, we got to have a double count out. And now, now we can finally have our really, really killer awesome match. It's not been the uh, the greatest setup so far. Um, yeah, so hopefully we're getting that match soon. Hopefully it'll be as good as I uh, believe it can be, but this has not uh, so far been my uh, favorite thing to uh, engage in with WXW. Indeed, indeed. Um, all right, uh, we move along. We get uh, the other half of the um, 16 karat row two matches. Uh, Francis Caspin taking on Mark Davis. Caspin um, attacks Davis uh, before the bell. Davis quickly recovers and chops Caspin all around the building. Uh, and I gotta say again how much I love Caspin because his reactions to all of this was just. Pure, solid, worth its weight in gold. Um, Caspin almost gets the win with his feet on the ropes, and I'm really rooting for him. Skillet shows up with the distraction to try to to try to try take it home. Caspin with the low blow, but Kyle Fletcher shows up, and he kicks Jay Skillet, and this distracts his Caspin so Davis can finish him for the win. And I was really pulling for Caspin here. Because I think he would have been great in 16 karat, but instead we have Mark Davis, which will be fine. I do like Mark Davis, but I don't know. I was rooting for Casman here, so that's my feeling. It was a uh, very upsetting that afterwards they beat up on uh, JFK, if I recall, they setting did. up uh, uh, the Fletcher Irie match, which we've already talked about. Uh, thankfully, Irie yeah. wins that one. So yeah, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Indeed. But uh, as far as this match goes, uh, Francis Kasman looked good. Mark Davis looked good. Um, I did like some of the shenanigans overall. I thought they played into a really solid story. And Davis does indeed pick up the victory with his version of the, uh, I think it's called the Gold Coast uh, water slide. Uh, Cesaro slash Claudio Castagnoli's uh, Alpamare water slide, sort of like side Death Valley driver thing, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. I think Davis and Caspin looked really good here. And yeah, um, kind of like you, it was pulling for uh, uh, Francis Caspin, but not upset at all with uh, Mark Davis going to 16 karat. I think he's got a lot of potential for some good matches in there. So yeah, good all around, at least for uh, for these two. Hopefully they'll find something for uh, JFK to do during the weekend. Mm-hmm, for sure. I have no doubt they will. Uh, seems like they're set up to wrestle Aussie Open in the near future. Also uh, uh, had issues with um, with Rise, with Kiev and Bouncer set up earlier. So, yeah, I think they'll have lots to do um, and more power to them. I just uh, – I think Caspin would have been good in 16 karat, so maybe next Absolutely year. Absolutely agree. Absolutely. Uh, we go backstage again. Lucky Kid uh, 
expands on what he said earlier. He says two people betrayed him, but he's already left Tarkin Aslan in the dust. I thought he was maybe going to try to pursue Maris Al-Ani again, but no, it is Demac who returned to uh, cost him the title against Marius Al-Ani. Uh, so now he wants to take him out at the next event, which just happens to be in Hamburg, where uh, Demac is banned from wrestling because a few years ago... He lost the match to Bobby Guns, banning him from his own hometown. Um, Lucky Kid points out DeMac had no problem showing up in Hamburg to cost him the title. He demands that he be allowed to wrestle him as soon as possible. So it is agreed that DeMac will be allowed to return to the ring in Hamburg after, uh, I believe, more than two years for a match. Um, It's cool. I'm glad that they honored the stipulation as much as they did. I'm glad they kind of gave a reason to overturn it. I don't know if it's temporary or permanent, um, but yeah, I, I thought it was cool. I liked it. Oh yeah, this to me this segment absolutely ruled. Just yeah. just in general, you know, he's focusing on the Mac or the Mac is lucky kid, which I think is a nice touch. But I really love the fact that he was like, you know, if the guy can show up to Hamburg and cost me the title that I rightfully should have and would have won in that match, no questions asked. If he can show up and do that, why can't he wrestle? I demand. You lift this man and put him in a match with me in at Dead End in Hamburg. And they said, you know what? That's a really good argument. We're going to do that. So we'll set up this match for you. Like, I don't know. That just it really worked for me. They gave it a reason, a really compelling and interesting and good reason, I thought. So, yeah, really, really looking forward to this one. Um, lucky kid I love. Uh, the Max has become to the last few times I've seen him. He's really grown on me. So uh, looking forward to seeing how this match uh Turns out should be a barn burner. Absolutely. Uh, move on to the main event of this show, and what a main event it is. It is Absolute Andy taking on David Starr for WXW Championship, as I mentioned. And, man, I was I was kind of salivating at this because these guys are both great. Absolute Andy has been a phenomenal heel champion. David Starr is by far – I always like David Starr, but I think he's by far at his best – in WXW, when he is uh, kind of punching upwards against these bigger, uh, more physically intimidating guys, and uh, he gets to reach down deep and give these incredible, amazing, gutsy, hard-hitting performances. Um, yeah, uh, this, man, this was so good. Um, you got Andy trying to get counted out, but it, it's a trick uh, to have David start chase him out, and he, like, throws him down the stairs uh, of the of the rampway back, like, down towards the locker room. Uh, they do a great near count-out spot where Star has to, like, crawl back to the ring, and he's so good at that kind of stuff and just milking it. Um, I love the way he just, like, throws his whole body into strikes against these bigger guys that he has to fight. Um, you got Andy going for a moonsault and, and missing it again. He never seems to hit the damn thing, but it's so cool that he can do it. Uh, you have Star throwing up just just huge moves, getting incredible near falls on this guy to the point where, and this is my only like nitpick, it it started to feel by the end that Star probably actually should have won the damn title just from how many incredible moves he hit, how how damn close he got again and again. Absolute Andy just barely surviving with his foot on the rope or through through some cowardly tactic. Um, yeah, no, th- this was awesome. An F5 from the top finally takes 
David Starr down. Um, it, it was such a great match. It is my current running match of the year, and uh, I just had a blast with it. I absolutely cannot fault you for that, because, man, this match was good. And as you said, the biggest, to me, the biggest takeaway, which is basically the same takeaway I have from almost every David Starr WXW matches, my word, how good of an underdog, punchy, full of heart baby face mm. is David Starr? Mm-hmm. Just outright. Like, you can put him anywhere else and you can do his heel stuff, and I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's really good when he's got, you know, good opponents, good angles he can work. I'm sure that's all that's all great and that's all, that's all some nice jazz. His work as a baby face in WXW, I genuinely believe, is second to none. There's not, mm-hmm. it just, it does not compare. It is literally night and day. And he's already good in the one form. But this one, his baby face in WXW, just, I don't know. There's just something so magnetic about mm-hmm. it when he functions in this role. And it's just so, it makes for so many good matches. So many good, uh, it doesn't really matter who he's facing. He just always delivers. Uh, this match, no exception. Um, Absolute Andy's doing a really fabulous job, as well as just being this hateable, despisable, shortcut-taking. Just, just you want to see him get punched in the face, you want to see him lose that title, and yet it, he just doesn't. I don't know how it is. I don't know how he does it. Sometimes it's underhanded tactics. Sometimes it's just sheer force of will that propels him just beyond enough to keep his title. But he keeps doing it. Uh, this match was really good, really hard-hitting stuff here. Uh David Starr really playing at the best in his role. Um, just really good stuff. I think the spot that really uh, did it for me in regards to that is that uh, I don't quite remember what led up to it, but at one point, like, David Starr is, like, on his knees, and uh, Andy is, like, flicking his nose and then spitting on him, and he just turns up. He's like, oh, 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 really? Is that what you think you're going to do? And he just starts wailing on Andy, and it was just so just emotionally like satisfying to watch him just just punch and clobber away at Andy after all that because that's the other thing Andy is really good at is he always knows how to just aggravate people to the point where they just lay into him and he's just always so good at being like haha I'm bullying you and then immediately going oh I shouldn't have done that I regret every decision up to this point in my life and then getting his stuff caved in so I think is really too good um you know, one really good babyface, one really good heel who come together in this match and create some kind of magic. It was a wonderful, wonderful match, unfortunately. And he picks up the victory, um, retaining his title, putting all of David Starr's hard work uh, back away. But I think, I think, uh, if I have to say who my favorite is to win 16 carat this year, I think it's David Starr. I think... I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure I know exactly where they're going, especially after the person comes out after this match uh, appears and makes his presence known for the title hunt. Because that man, none other, King of Smoke style, Bobby Guns. And ooh, I see some good stuff in the future. Basically, Bobby Guns comes out. He declares his intentions after winning the match earlier tonight and after finally beating Shigeru Irie that he's coming for the WXW Unified World Wrestling Championship. And yes, 
thank goodness. I kind of I was a little bit afraid there during the ERAA stuff that they might uh, bump him down just a little bit, but nope, staying on top. Um, that's good. So yeah, setting up a potential uh, Bobby Guns Absolute Andy uh, match for the title, which I think a couple of vignettes after the show uh, express as well. Indeed, uh, Bobby Guns. Yep, coming out after the match, picking up that title. Uh, seeing if Andy wants a fight, Andy takes his title and leaves. Instead, uh, we go backstage to Marius Alani, and uh, he is informed that uh, instead of his challenge to Absolute Andy being honored automatically, he will now have to face Bobby Guns in a tag match. Andy will be uh, Marius's partner, and if Guns' team wins then uh, it will be Guns who gets the title match at 16 Karat Gold weekend instead. And I knew exactly where they were going with this. I knew who Bobby Guns was going to choose as his partner. It is indeed the man that uh, he rocked the house down with, with one of the hottest crowds I've ever seen. It's Ilya Dragunov, um, which Absolute Andy learns in his own backstage vignette. Um, we see him being annoyed at Marius Alani, saying he carried him to the top because he is a godly coach, uh, but he learns from Bobby Guns that the tag match will be happening. It will be Bobby Guns and Ilya Dragunov taking out Absolute Andy and Marius Al-Ani, and uh, the winner of that tag match, be it Marius or be it Bobby Guns, will get the title match at 16 Karat Gold Weekend, and either way, I'm super excited. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Bobby Guns, and I'm definitely down for that. Indeed, uh, I do believe that happened at Dead End, which, uh, as we record on Monday night, I do believe is already up now on WXW Now. So oh, yeah, hopefully we'll get a chance that. to check that out soon. I do like that they have a fairly quick turnaround. I think it's like about a week, maybe two weeks. They do their show, and then like on the following like Monday or Sunday or whatever, it actually goes up. So WXW's uh, service in general, really speedy, really good stuff. Uh, really like how they present things. Just kind of wish their uh, player was a little bit better it used to be really good and now you have to like go to vimo to actually do it yeah um, i just switch to vimeo every time and it's far better for sure <laughs> indeed. but yeah as far as this match goes like ooh, this is uh it's gonna be a really good tag team match a4 versus guns and dragon off is uh sure to be hot and top of the uh, stipulation added in whichever team wins whether it's bobby guns team or marius alani's team they're gonna be uh that person gets the shot at 16 karat gold and you know, that match in and of itself is going to be really good. And then whichever match comes out of that at 16 karat gold, it's going to be even better. I feel so I'm pumped up 16 karat gold about a month away. I do believe happening in March and I am super excited for it. I cannot wait to get to that tournament. Oh yeah. It's going to be great. 16 karat gold was a huge pleasure last year. It's going to be just as good. I think this year it's good. It's, it's really, really looking appealing. So that was Road 16 Karat Gold, going through London. Um, check it out. Great show. Really loved it. Um, yeah, yeah, very good stuff. Indeed. Indeed. All right, yeah, now we're going to talk about, uh, as I mentioned, AAA's Conquista Total Gira um, from uh, February 10th, a show that uh, has definitely received some hype. Like I said, in front of the show, Colt Icon calling it his uh, show of the year and uh, bemoaning the fact that uh, most people won't talk about it because it happened in Mexico, and while he is not wrong, we're going to talk about it. So we're going to fight <laughs> against uh, against the stereotype. Against the grain. That's how we do it here on the Global sure. Revolution. This is going to be the first full AAA show I've watched since, like, some past 
Triple Mania, probably the really bad one that Matt Stryker called. Um, so yeah, it was nice to uh, kind of watch a full show available on Twitch, which is pretty cool. You can get it for free if you have an Amazon Prime account. You can kind of hook that up to your Twitch and uh, get a free channel in the bargain. So it's a cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I started this off with an uh, interesting trios match. On the one side, it is uh, Lady Shani, who's one of their top female wrestlers and uh, one that I'm a very big fan of. Uh, Dynastia, someone I've never seen before. He's a really tiny, tiny, tiny guy, but uh, pretty good. I thought he looked good in this. Mm-hmm. And Nino Hamburguesa, who is a fat guy, as you might know, because his name is Hamburger. Um, on the other side, you have Lanzaloth, who is a uh, very talented luchador. We've seen once or twice before. Lady Maravilla, a talented luchadora in her own right. And Villano Three Junior, uh, or I should say Viano Three Junior, and I think you want to talk about him because he was blowing your mind uh, during his entrance. Uh, I saw on his, Twitter. So <laughs> his name is Viano Three Junior. Yes. Viano the third, the second, which just <laughs> I don't know that tickles me. I know why he's named that because Viano Three is his own dude. There's his son Viano Three Junior. I get that, but still. Viano the third, the second, just just absolutely <laughs> trips me up, and he made his entrance out to the ring to Batista's theme song. I walk alone. His uh, big his big theme song. He just he came out to the ring to it. I love Mexico. I love Lucha <laughs> Libre. There's just some absurdities there that make no sense, but they also make a ton of sense, and they're also just so fun. So. This guy was just literally, I was watching this, you know, the entrances. I didn't have any idea what was going on. Suddenly this dude comes out. He's Viano 3 Jr. And he's got Batista's theme. And it was just blowing my mind. <laughs> blowing my mind. Indeed. Um, I thought this was a good match. It was a fun match to start off the shows. My first time seeing uh, several of these people. Maybe more than half the, the makeup of the match. I thought everyone looked reasonably good. I'm a big fan of Lady Shiny. I think she was my favorite in this. Probably my favorite new guy was uh, Dynastia. Like I said, she's just this ridiculously small guy, super quick, throwing kicks, jumping around, doing cool stuff. So, yeah, I I was a fan of this. Yeah, I also thought uh, he took some pretty good bumps in this match. He mm-hmm. kind of he just gives me some really good vibes of being an all-around you know, guy who can do some nice high-flying stuff, but who can also take some offense. I thought that in particular looked great. Um I actually like Nino Ambergesa as well. I don't know. He just kind of had this – he was really over with the crowd. Everybody seemed to love him. He did like a, a a dive in the middle of the match, and everybody loved that as well. That looked pretty cool. Um, Lancelot, I don't know. That was the guy who did it for me in this match. Nice. Um, yeah. I don't actually remember having seen him before, but I'm definitely not going to forget him now because – I don't know. I, he just he really came across super well to me, really athletic, really talented overall. I really enjoyed seeing him in this one. In the end, the Technico team, Nino Ambergesa, Ninastia, and Lady Shani pick up the victory. Uh, apparently there was some sort of storyline between Ambergesa and Marvelia? Marvella on the other side, Marvilla, Lady Marvella. Yeah. Marvia. Um Apparently, like, maybe he's in love with her or she's, like, flirting with him or something like that. Eventually, um, you know, it distracts him a few times in this match and they take advantage. But eventually, it all sort of goes to the wayside and uh, Ember Gesa picks up the win for his team. Really fun opener match here. Um, pretty much loved everybody involved in here. They all made a really good impression. Um, yeah, a fun time. Yeah, very fun. Very fun. Speaking of fun, 
<clears throat> After this, we get a uh, three-way match. It is Jack Evans, who is always great to see, taking on El Hijo del Vikingo, who I thought I'd seen before, but now I don't think I actually have. Now I have seen him, definitely. And the third man is Taurus, who I believe is the big bull-looking guy that we saw at ringside uh, at a previous AAA show, and we're like, hey, this guy looks interesting. And guess what? He was not only interesting, he was awesome. He was I awesome. I loved Taurus in this. I thought he looked spectacular. Um, the, I've seen the, some... the spot of the whole night, maybe of anything we watch for this show, uh. is Vikingo trying to like dive out of the ring onto Taurus, who just catches him, turns around, and power bombs him onto the ramp in just the most unbelievably brutal fashion. I couldn't believe that. So I, I, I've seen Vikingo, um, at least in GIFs. He's kind of, I know him as, he does some just like ridiculous like step-up stuff. Like he runs out a guy, like spins and steps up over them into like Frankensteiners and stuff. He's super athletic and he got to show that off a little bit in this match and looked pretty good. But Tauros straight caught him out of a dive to the outside and like effortlessly. I don't mean he like caught him and like struggled. He was just like fluid, like catch, like, nope, gotcha. And now you're going to absolutely eat shit as I power bomb you onto the floor. It was wild. It was incredible. I was kind of worried for a second, but everything ended up turning out fine. It seemed. And yeah, that was just like an immediate. Okay. Yeah. This guy is now my favorite wrestler on earth. Holy hell. I was, this was an awesome match overall. This had a couple of awesome spots. Toros looked great. Um, I thought Vikingo looked great. Jack Evans. It's Jack Evans. At this point, you just expect quality from him, and he was pretty good mm-hmm. in here as well. This was a great uh, triple threat match. Um, just just really overall, just some really incredible stuff, whether it be individual spots, match overall. Just I love this one. Good, yeah, super good creative. quality. Honestly, stuff. it's my favorite match on the show, I think. Um it was just a great, fun, creative match. I liked it a lot. Um, in the end, Vikingo pins Jack Evans, uh, but Taurus is the guy that I want to see more of, most of all. So show me some more Taurus. Yes, please. Indeed, especially if he's doing some ridiculous things like just catching Lucha Le- mm-hmm. Luchadors out of the mm-hmm. air effortlessly before just destroying them. More of that. God that willing, was... if there's a Lucha Underground Season 5, please bring in Taurus. Uh Please. Beautiful fit. Oh, my God. Huh. All right. So we get another trios match to follow this up uh, with uh, some more familiar names. Taya Valkyrie on one side. Always great to see. Nice to see her back in AAA. They had a lot of drama a year or two ago. Uh, now back in. Very cool. Uh, Maximo and Aerostar also on that team. On the other side, you got Fabi Apache, La Mascara, and Monster Clown. Um I thought this match was pretty decent. It was probably, I don't know, kind of my weakest of the night. Definitely not bad. Um, did a lot of stuff with, like, the two ladies, with uh, with Valkyrie and Fabio Apache, uh, like, messing with the referee and with each other and just some of that stuff, which doesn't always work for me. Um, you've got Aerostar, who I know everyone loves Aerostar. I still think he just looks so sloppy all the time, and I don't know. Like, he does a cool thing, but then I think he'll die, like, ten times after that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Probably not the strongest match. Not a bad match. Um, pretty decent, like I said. Well, I ended up enjoying this match, but the thing that was kept that kept throwing me for a loop was seeing, like, for me, I don't know, I consider Taya Valkyrie a Rudo, and I have kind of always uh, seen her performing as that. 
And Fabio Pace, I've always seen as a Technico. So they were swapped. I guess, something happened. Fabio Pace is now a, a Rudo, and that was, I don't know, that was throwing me for some kind of loop. Um, not a bad loop. Not like, oh, man, this is really screwing with me. I don't know how much I like this. I enjoyed this match. This was a lot of fun. Uh, to me, I, I have come to really enjoy Aerostar. I was much like you. I'm not always his biggest fan, but I thought he performed really well in this match. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. For me, the star of this match, Taya Valkyrie. Taya is just... Oh, yeah, I love Taya. Ah, uh, she is so good. She's just... Whether it be a face, whether she's a heel, whether she's being mean, whether she's just being awesome in general, she is always a treat to watch, and I thought she really uh, stole the spotlight in this match. This was a good one. Maximo's here. I like Maximo as well. Um, I kind of... If I remember correctly, I think Maximo and La Mascara arrived in AAA together not too, too long ago. So seeing them on opposite sides was also a little bit of a uh, kind of an oddball thing here, but they worked uh, pretty <laughs> solidly. And I don't know. Monster Clown was also here, and he was a sight to behold. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. I just like this whole look. He just, I don't know, he stood out really well in this match. I've, uh, he stands actually out remember... visually. I don't know how good a wrestler he is. Like, it was hard that, to tell. That's I true. <laughs> but, uh, I didn't think he was bad. He was here. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I remember when it was him, Psycho Clown, and Murder Clown were all sure. together doing yep. things, and now they're all kind of doing their own separate thing. And yet, it doesn't feel like, at least for me, I don't really feel the sense of like, oh, it's just like, you know, it's it, it's the clown dudes. I don't know. They all feel, at least in this match, like Monster Clown felt like an individual as opposed to a uh, a third member of some sort of roamed, uh, roaming clown stable. I don't know. He felt uh, – he looks just really good. I don't know. I love his uh, actual gimmick, his actual look. Don't know quite how he is as a professional wrestler in the ring, but I don't know. I was just kind of smitten with this, like, horrific, awful-looking clown <laughs> mask man who was just – who genuinely looked like he might actually kill someone. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I had a fun I, time. But... I like the clown gimmicks in general. I think visually, yeah, they're they're good stuff. Um, they, they certainly stand out a lot. So, yeah, I'm all about it. Uh, Taya wins this match uh, with a fast count after she kind of throws Fabi into the ref and the ref blames Fabi for it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, um, definitely agree with, uh, with some of your thoughts there. <laughs> Uh, we move on there to another three-way match, just kind of going back and forth between the two match types. Um, this one, though, it's got a hell of a lineup, i got to say. It is Flamita, Drago, and Laredo Kid, and that, that's a hell of a high-flying uh, trio of luchadors right there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, man, I'm still getting used to the new Flamita mask, because I, for a second, I was like, wait, which one is he? Because, like, neither, neither he or Laredo Kid... Uh, I'm not I'm not that familiar with Laredo Kid yet, so I'm like, man, which one is Flamita here? Uh, but I figured it out after a while. Uh, love Flamita. Um, these guys are super great high flyers. I think the highlight of this was Flamita doing a, a Huracan Rana on Laredo, off the apron, all the way down to do like a flat back bump on the floor, which which is just unreasonable. And like, I would never <laughs> ask a person to take that bump, but man, it was super cool. Um so, I think yeah, my favorite part really about that stuff. was uh, mm-hmm. was afterwards, like Flamita hits the spot, and then he just kind of walks fairly briskly to the uh, corner that Drago was hanging out at, like <laughs> like as if it was nothing. Like, oh yeah, I just uh, I just dove off this thing, did a flip, drove this guy onto the floor. No big deal. Just just gonna go do a a 450 splash now. Um, 
yeah, I just I I love Drago. I really love Flamine. If anybody's uh, listened to the Global Revolution, we could talk for days about how much uh, love and respect Flamita needs to get in the uh, overall scene. You know, I we we love Pentagon's really good, Phoenix is really good, but it genuinely feels like a lot of people overlook Flamita at times because mm-hmm. of that, and he is just he's so talented. Drago is also Drago always throws me just a little bit because he's like an older dude. Like, yeah, he is yeah. not, like, spry young dude, yet he is super spry and super athletic and still looking as good as ever. Laredo Kid is also here. I thought he uh, really contributed pretty well as well, but this is the Flamita and Drago show for me. So, yeah, this uh, this really worked for me. This was another really fun uh, three-way match, uh, another high-flying three-way match. That was pretty much all these guys did, and these are, I think, three of the best in the world at that style, and they really uh, performed admirably in this one. Yeah, super great. I do want to, yeah, uh, highlight how good I think Laredo Kid has gotten. I've seen him a few times, and like I said, I'm still getting to know him to a certain extent, but man, yeah, I think he's going to be on everybody's lips in the very near future. I know he's been doing a lot of stuff with uh, Impact over the last uh, oh, year or so since they've gotten into a... Uh, agreement i think i saw him doing like tag team matches and uh, getting involved pretty heavily um early on in that relationship i don't know quite how much that has continued over the last uh, several months but he was doing stuff and uh, hopefully he'll get an even bigger platform in the future because he's a fun guy i like him Mm, absolutely uh he does get the win here he pins drago in a very fun match another contender for my favorite match of the night um very good stuff here uh, second to the last match on the six-match card, it is Dr. Wagner Jr. taking on Blue Demon Jr. in a street fight. Now, and I gotta say, when I saw this on paper, I was like, oh, well, it was a good run. We're probably, you know, yeah, you know, I, I like Dr. Wagner, but he's pretty old. Blue Demon, yeah, even in his prime, you know, I don't know. But, uh, I gotta say, um, there were a lot of bells and whistles and a lot of bloodshed. Not a lot of maybe actual wrestling, but... I thought this was pretty good. I actually enjoyed this far more than I thought I would. Uh, you have Lady Maravilla running down to to help uh, Blue Demon really shamelessly, just kind of like beating up Doctor Wagner all over the place. Oh no, I think um, that was I think that was Fabe Apache, if I recall. Actually, you may Jordan. indeed be correct. Um, I guess that. But but, I, yeah, fair enough. Um, I do just want to quickly say um, I don't know yeah. if you how much of the uh, pre-show essentially you saw. This match was a little bit set up prior to a lot of the uh, engagements. I don't know if it was necessarily on this show or like a previous one, but apparently at one point, uh, La Parker comes down. He's in like a neck brace. Um, I guess he's talking on the microphone. Uh, Dr. Wagner Jr. comes out um, and he's talking to him and they seem to be showing a lot of mutual respect for one another. Um, and right, right prior to the show, there were like two masked guys, I guess for like the sponsor, like the cell phone or internet sponsor for this show who came out and, like, tossed, like, gift bags to people. I uh, wasn't quite paying attention to all the way through. But at one point, um, I think it was the two masked guys start uh, coming back down and attacking uh, Wagner and La Parca. They take off their mask when they reveal El Hijo del Fantasma, who we're going to see in a little bit, and Blue Demon Jr., who proceed to beat them up and bust them 
uh, both up, basically, Laparka, uh, Dr. Wagner, I should say, bleeding very early onto the show. I don't know if you noticed during his entrance, but he came out with like a like a head wrap on. He had like a big bandage around his head early on. I did. That was from that uh, that beating because he was bleeding as profusely as he was bleeding in this match. He was pretty close to that early on in this segment. So yeah, they set that up a little bit, and that kind of led right into this match with uh, Blue Demon and Wagner just absolutely trying to annihilate one another. Indeed so. Uh, brawling through the crowd. Uh, Wagner, yeah, just, just bleeding all over. Um, uh, Demon biting him uh, on his bloody head and spitting blood out. And, uh, yeah, if, if you like blood, this match is going to be <laughs> right right up your alley. Um, you get mask ripping. You get Wagner throwing uh, Bobby Apache into the crowd to kind of, like, keep her away. Um, eventually... Taya comes out and uh, fights her off. Murder Clown, your boy, shows up. He's going to fight with Taya. And uh, I believe Joe Leiter is the next man out. And we Joe Leiter, I guess. I don't know if he was returning or something, uh, but Joe Leiter shows up. I don't He's know, got yeah. a chair. <laughs> the match really just completely shifted focus to this other thing. But, you know, honestly, I didn't mind because uh, it was pretty entertaining. Uh, uh, Joe picks up Murder Clown and does like a rolling Death Valley Driver off the apron through a table with Murder Clown, and that that, that was pretty damn impressive, I, I gotta say. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Wagner comes back to life after this, does get the victory. So yeah, it turned out to be kind of a crazy, bloody, messy, uh, arguably overbooked thing, but you know what? I had fun with it, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, this was definitely a mess of a match, and it's, uh, it's actually this match that... Uh, that really got me paying attention to kind of how Triple A does things because I noticed in a lot of these, especially when they were very solid uh, Technico versus Rudo matches, they team they tended to always be like the Rudos will be on top for a long time early on, yep. and they'll be just like obliterating the Technico and just like really like putting some work in on them, and then the Technico finds some way to like counter some offense, and then it's literally the entire other way. Now the Technico's <laughs> on top. And that's basically what this match was, but got to hand it to it. It was a very entertaining brawl. There was a lot of bloodshed. There were a lot of other characters involved. There were chairs and weapons and mask ripping and a whole slew of other things. And I, you know, even though I noticed that big uh, sort of booking philosophy, it didn't really detract from the match because it was just a uh, a barrel of fun. So I, uh, yeah, I... I don't know if I quite love this to a super high match of the year contender no, degree, no, but no, 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 no. But uh, this was I, I, I enjoyed this, but I'm also a big uh, I'm a big Dr. Wagner mark and I've been for several years since I started watching uh, Lucha Libre way back in the day. Shout out to Brooklyn. Um, mm. Yeah, but so I, I've loved Wagner since then. So getting the chance to see him is, you know, is always fun. So I, I enjoyed myself with this one. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, very good stuff. We get our main event after this, which is uh, Psycho Clown Puma King or King Puma? I can't ever remember. Puma King. Puma, Puma King. King. And Laredo Kid showing up again. I don't know exactly why he's double booked because I didn't watch any of the pre-show stuff because I don't speak I, I, Spanish. So who knows? I, uh, I will say um, mm-hmm. after that beatdown that occurred, the two people who came out to sort of like fend off uh, – Phantasma and Blue Demon Jr. were Laredo Kid 
and El Hijo del Vikingo. So I guess that's why Laredo Kid was double booked, and that's the only reason I can assume he was double booked. (laughs) That was kind of weird. Some translation, maybe, to understand, or maybe we still wouldn't. So it doesn't matter. He gets double booked, and that's fine because he's good. On the Rudo side, you've got Ray Escorpion, who I gotta say I'm a big fan of uh, at this point. Really like the guy. Uh, Killer Cross, who I've been impressed by. And uh, El Hijo del Fantasma, who everyone else loves and I, I think is alright. So, um, yeah, uh, this one, uh, now that you mentioned it, I might not be able to unsee it, because this also starts off with a big Rudo attack, which kind of uh, goes on for quite a while. Uh, for ages, for ages. Yeah, <laughs> well, in a way that I didn't mind. I, I thought uh, it worked. It was very chaotic. It was kind of uh, all, all six guys fighting really all over the arena. Uh, Puma's mask gets really shredded to bits. Um, it's very disjointed. Maybe, yeah, to the point where it did um, detract a little bit from what was going on. Um, you get a long stretch of Psycho Clown and Rey Scorpion going back and forth, and they have a pretty violent history. Um, they, uh, they, they get some uh, Technico dives going, some cool stuff. Um, yeah, I thought everyone did really well, except... I don't know about you, but I, I was really forgetting that Phantasma was in this match a lot of the time. Like, I don't know, something about him just wasn't... He didn't seem to be really that important in anything, and he didn't really do anything to catch my eye, and uh, it was still a good match. I, I liked it overall, but I just kind of noticed that, and I don't know if you would agree. <laughs> I don't necessarily know if I would agree with that, because I noticed something else, and it's something that I've seen in other Psycho Clown matches that kind of drives me up the wall, oh, no. is that he spins way, way too much time, like, hyping up the crowd, oh. even in, like, <laughs> ill-fitting situations. Like, like I think he's a really solid wrestler. I enjoy him, but I've seen him in lots of matches where he'll be, like, he'll be getting beat up, and as he's, like, walking away in recovery of the punch, he'll be, like, you know, shaking his hands and trying to get the crowd behind him, and there was a point down here where he was, like, beat up he was like rolled out onto the apron on the outside of the ring and he's still just like you know doing this like you know come on chant for me thing and i don't know it's just, just like i i noticed it and it bothered me i've noticed it before and it bothered me and i noticed it here and it continued to bother me and i don't know why it just it doesn't really feel fitting i guess but that that i noticed but i don't know everything else i i gotta admit i didn't love this match because it played off too similarly to the previous match. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I didn't hate this match, certainly. I thought it was all right for what it was. I really like Killer Cross. Uh-huh. really like uh, kind of everybody yeah, on the... Well. Killer Cross did well. I was more into Phantasma than you were, but uh, I think Cross and Scorpion specifically were kind of the stars on that side of the, uh, on that side of the aisle. Um, yeah, but this match... I think it was like these last two matches were where they really played into the Rudo side dominates for a long time. Then the Technico side kind of comes back and that. I don't know. That just kind of put me off a little bit on this match. Didn't quite love it. Liked it for liked it enough for what it was, but I'm, this is not something I'm going to really be writing home about to anyone. It was for me, it was all right. Um, really liked seeing killer cross though. Um, that yeah. was cool. Getting to see him do some big things. Uh, Ray Scorpion, Scorpion, uh, just, I don't know, he's really good as well. He's got some nice charisma to him, really magnetic dude, really uh, just fun to watch in mm-hmm. general. So, yeah. Yeah, this was, it was overall all right. Didn't love it, didn't <laughs> hate it. It was not 
I think I liked it more than you, but yeah, I wouldn't call it a match of the year or anything. Uh, just a very chaotic, kind of disjointed, big brawl. I uh, definitely hear what you're saying about Psycho Clown. I don't think it bothers me so much. It's just, uh, it's just kind of like his thing, you know. I, you know, Jeff Hardy will jump off of things at inappropriate times. Psycho Clown will just get excited and pump up the crowd at inappropriate times. Maybe it's just the unique psychology of the wrestler. Um, that's my excuse anyway, because I like Psycho Clown. Um, but yeah, uh, in the end, you get uh, La Mascara, I believe, showing up at ringside. He tries to sabotage Puma, but uh, Fantasma still can't get the win. Puma comes back and gets the victory for himself. So uh, nice win for him. Nice the Puma, a guy that I really didn't notice that much in CMLL, has really broken out, really done a lot of uh, fun things on his own. I've seen a lot of people recently talking about how CMLL um, is a, a company that really doesn't take any chances and doesn't uh, really try to elevate people unless they really have to. And uh, I really like CMLL, but I can kind of see where that's coming from. Uh, probably if I watch it a lot more than I do, I will notice that more. Uh, right now it's not bothering me that much but it does show you what sometimes somebody might be able to do if they kind of go out and try their luck elsewhere so good for him bet on himself and i think it's definitely working out in his favor indeed we've seen him in chikara he was doing some pwg stuff he's apparently all around mexico as well breaking out in a triple a so that's that's just cool in general i think whenever you see a dude do that so good work for him to pick up the victory hope he's got a uh He's got a lot of bookings coming his way. He's a lot of fun, unfortunately for him, and unfortunately for the entire Technico team. After they win this match, they all get the shit beat out of them and get all their masks actually ripped off entirely by the Technico side, who all pose together with the uh, masks in hand, having uh, lost the battle, but certainly not lost the war in this match. Indeed, indeed. So, yeah, very fun uh, Triple A show. I don't know if it's necessarily my show of the year, but it's a very fun show. So if you're looking for a place to jump on, see some uh, good Lucha, Triple A style, it's a really good thing to do. It's right there on Twitch, like I said. You can check it out, and uh, you will be a better person for it, or at least an equal person who has now seen some more Lucha Libre. So good for you. Indeed. It was just uh, kind of like you. This is one of the... Uh... At least in a long time, this is one of my first uh, all the way through Triple A, Triple A shows. So it's kind of cool to be able to check them out all the way through and learn about a couple of new people, some new eyes on some uh, new folks, which is really cool. And got to see uh, Wagner and Blue Demon Jr. have an absolute bloodbath. So <laughs> can't quite go wrong with any of that. Absolutely so. All right, that brings us to the end of everything we were planning to talk about. Have you got anything extra you want to bring out there, my friend? Uh, nope, not this week. Not this week. Just once again, uh, kind of want to point to Chikara and their National Pro Wrestling Day. Hopefully they get that up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't, where was that film? Where was that done? Maybe that's part of the issue. I never... Uh, they just in the be... Russell Factory, so yeah, I think that is yes. the main reason. It is not uh, freely available yet. Um, and I don't know if you've seen, but they've actually got a couple of shows uh, this season because I know they're coming. They're doing like one of the Poconos again. I think I saw that they were going to Pittsburgh, I think, for a show. They might be doing another Chicago show. They as do. Well, I already have I my think. tickets for it. So, yeah, no, that definitely, I guess, uh, picked up on the feedback of last season of doing uh, just too many Wrestle Factory events. Uh, you know, Wrestle Factory is a very practical venue, I guess, uh, but it's small and it doesn't seem to attract a really excited crowd 
And I don't know, it's just, uh, it's not ideal in some ways. So yeah, I'm branching out, doing some more on-the-road events. Uh, hopefully it doesn't put too much strain on them, because uh, I really like the the fun of those events when they're really uh, going out there and uh, finding some new fans. So very good stuff. I'm, I'm looking forward to all of that. Indeed, indeed. All right, I think that's everything. So uh, thank you for listening. Give us a shout. Give us a follow on Twitter. I'm at Spectral Gent. He is at Big Def Energy. B-I-G-D-E-F Energy. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Also, lots of great programs on LOP Radio. We got uh, the Doc Says coming back, which is very cool. We got Sports Entertainment is Dead. We got Perfect 10 Wrestling, Right Side of the Pond, Kingdom of Honor, not the least of which, all about All Elite. Of course, by myself and co-founder of this show, Shane, a.k.a. Mystic. We talk about uh, all the, the, the news and the rumors of uh, All Elite Wrestling plus covering MLW now and uh, the stuff that they've been doing in the past year. So some very fun stuff to check out there. Hope you will check that out airing on Saturdays. Also, lordsofpain.net and lopforums.com for a lot of great written material. Come join that conversation. That, I do believe, is everything that we have got. So please join us next week for some more fun wrestling. Until then, we have been the global revolution. See ya.